Hey everyone, hey and welcome back to yet another episode of Alpha Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee. I'm here reviewing yet another Metallica song. We're on letter F. Maybe you're going back through the archives and we've almost finished. You're at W or Z even, you know. Recording this now, at this moment in time, we are in F. We are tackling, tackling the Killer Mall classic, Four Horsemen. And just before we jump into today's episode, please follow the show at Metallica Pod on Twitter. If you want about news, if you want to see various GIFs, if you want me retweeting faint praise or me attacking Carl. DM baby that is the best place to find that please get in touch with me as well metallicapod at gmail.com if you want to come on the show if you want to discuss a song at this moment in time again we are pretty much got up until m booked in so if you want to come on for the peas for example you want to do phantom lord or prince charming or pumping blood or purify you know those are available so get in touch with me let me know metallicapod at gmail.com come on and do a song we've got the patreon as well if you want to support the show if you enjoy the show you want to give back to the show uh, essentially what that is is a preview a sort of pay-per-view for alpha metallica all the episodes all the content goes in there first if you want to support patreon is always there itunes as well if you want to leave us a review but uh let's get straight into today's episode straight into today's guest jason has it going going great thanks for having me on the show of course of course and you know best way to get to know someone metallica where did it start so metallica for me um i came into them around 1992 or so um i was first exposed to the black album because it was like literally everywhere you couldn't get away from it i can imagine yeah and uh somebody um that was living with us at the time brought in a copy of the black album. And I remember listening to it the first time. I remember kind of like cracking a joke when I first heard uh, where I may roam, wherever I may roam, because I was like, what's this Egyptian stuff? You know, ha ha, <laughs> you know? And so then it was like that whole year, every day I'd come home, uh, start doing my homework, put it on first track, enter Sandman, just right through, hmm. right back to the start, uh, picked up, kill them all after that, ride the lightning after that puppets justice etc and yeah it's just been uh kind of all things metallica since then yeah yeah it's 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 hard i i don't i'm not obviously i speak to a lot of people who are kind of biased because they love metallica they're coming on this podcast but i can't imagine they're one of those bands where you just like an album it seems like everyone that listens to them devours the whole back catalog oh absolutely i mean when i first got into that it was it was uh you know, very crisp sounding, and I, I really wasn't ready for a lot of the rawness that would come with the earlier stuff. Like, especially mm. now, you know, I, I listen to all this stuff, obviously, but I've listened to Four Horsemen quite a bit over the last couple of days, and I'm just, I'm really uh, impressed with the musicianship of, of such a young band, you mm. know, when you consider that they're, you know, 20, 21, um, to put out an album like that it's it's great and there's a rawness to it that you really don't get back into until you start getting into uh really like saint anger i mm. mean it's 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 very polished pretty much from lightning on in my opinion to my ear i yeah i agree i agree i think sonically there's just a you know there is a rawness the the pure elements of metallica are just there and it's quite charming in a way and you know when i before i did this show kill em all to me as as a record in of itself i didn't quite put it on par with like ride and master and justice and i still don't to a certain extent i still think those three records about this but i think all together i have such respect now for kill em all i think as a set of 10 songs Four Horsemen included. It is a marvel, as you say, that these guys, barely out of their teens, constructed a, a fresh metal classic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you listen to some of them, and some of them are really kind of straightforward. Like you, you have a song like Whiplash, which is kind of, yeah. you know, one thing, breakneck, we're here to kick your ass, kind of thing. And then, you know, it almost feels like it doesn't belong in the same band as something like Four Horsemen, because Horsemen kind of gives you a, 
a little bit of that epicness that we're going to get with Lightning and with Cthulhu and with Orion, you know, these songs that are multi-movement kind of things instead of just four minutes, motor breath, boom, 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 we're done, you know, and, and it was a, it was great to go back and just kind of relive that that kind of vibrance with them and there's a real garagey kind of vibe to it too completely completely this is the the second track on kill em all it's actually the longest track uh, on kill em all as well seven minutes and 13 seconds which you know but i mean obviously length and metal go hand in hand really to have this epic nature but fresh metal's been sort of you know run and gun to a certain extent and i don't know about you but i love the way this song starts you know everyone knows this song it's probably one of metallica's most famous songs from the early years but just that and it's breakneck from the beginning yeah it it doesn't it doesn't let up at all and it really sets the tone for what's going to come pretty much on every album from that point with the second track you know the second really became nuanced with the name of the album uh you know justice in particular is just this epic 10 minute thing and then you know puppets obviously you know one of their best songs ever written in my opinion and and it never really lets go with with that kind of thing i mean you in the load stuff you you do kind of you slip away from that but you you slip away from all things metallica in their themes with load and reload True, true. I guess two by four is the sort of four horsemen equivalent, but it, yeah, I, the, sort of the theory is is and memory remains as well. But yeah, there's sort of a breaking from what made Metallica Metallica to a certain extent. I'm, I'm sure people will disagree. And you know, historically as well, Four Horsemen's an interesting track because it's one of the few tracks that has the Mustaine writing credit. And I don't know if you're aware, but he pretty much took the song because he felt that he wrote the whole song and redid it as Mechanics on the first Megadeth record and just basically did Four Horsemen at double the speed. Yeah, you know, I, I, I had heard that song long, long ago uh, because I had heard that that had happened and he had taken it and he felt that it was, you know, his his song. Yeah. And when I listen to it, I mean, you know, it's probably my bias coming in, but I feel that the tempo that the boys played it at is much more appropriate for what's yeah. going on. Yeah, um, it's it's much more a, uh, you know, a, a, too showy, in my opinion, and too fast for just the sake of being fast. And I, I really do not like the solo at the end of Mechanics. I think yeah. it's very sloppy. Yeah, I completely agree. And it, it's a weird phenomenon, really, because when you're so used to a song, you're so used to the vocal melodies, especially, and where the voice goes. And I think Mustaine's choice and register on Mechanics is a little odd, a little off for me. It's not as expansive as Four Horsemen as well. Obviously, Four Horsemen Live, the band will often play the five-minute version rather than the original seven-minute version, which is a bit of a shame. But yeah, the Mechanics, I think, by, by virtue of being very, very fast, is about four minutes or so. So we go from that intro, that, you know, clattering intro to that which is a very unusual thing like if you know about it on guitar they're using the bottom e string and they're playing over but it's got a very busy swingy swagger to it that's quite unique yeah absolutely you know i've been playing guitar pretty much since the same time i picked up the black album Hmm. Uh, that was what caused me to get into that and you know obviously you know i I play a lot of metallica they're a a huge influence on me they're so fun Uh, to play on guitar aren't they they're one of the bands that are just can't get enough of riffing them out absolutely you know and there's some songs that uh just to listen to they're not always my favorite but to play they absolutely are mm-hmm. uh and some of them are the more obscure ones you know like uh, not obscure but uh like all nightmare long is one of my favorite oh, songs man. to play because it's just so complicated yeah. it's a real it's a real treat but for that particular riff it really like it sets the tone for what's going to be kind of a gallopy type song all mm-hmm. through you know and, and it's just like if when you think about it and you listen to it 
I mean, it kind of sounds like horses clapping along yeah. in, a, in a lot of, lot of different parts of the song. Yeah. And, and one of my favorite parts about that intro is there's a tiny little like pitch harmonic that hits the yes. first time. And what I noticed about it listening to it today, and I, I normally wouldn't pay attention to it that much, but I, I knew you know that we would be talking about it for in long form. And when you notice that when they go back to that riff, there's only one other time in the song that you hit that harmonic, which tells me like these guys aren't just laying down one take. Like they're playing this song as a band live on the tape. And and that's really cool because you don't see that a lot. It's very pro tools cut and paste these days. Yeah. 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 It's almost like a yeah, a finger was caught on the string, but it but it but they heard it, they kept it in, it adds a bit of flair to it, and then moving from that riff, which you're so right. I hadn't really considered it as horses you know, moving, but yeah, I completely agree. And I I'll get to a point later which I feel is very equine, I guess the word, of a horse. And then we get into the verse riff, the da 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 which is very classic, you know, uh very Sabbath, very made and very open string being resolved to the power chords and again mm-hmm. this has such a forward onslaught march it's like metallica have this way and you know so many songs i think for whom the bell tolls is an obvious it's just great riff after great riff after great riff it's such quality yeah i would definitely agree i mean there there's certainly no shortage of of great stuff on any album really i mean they're Headfield is just a riff writing machine oh my God. with with this kind of stuff and 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 the, the sort of the nuances about how he plays is very interesting because there's a lot of bands that would just do two open E's ba 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 you know mm. instead or maybe even four if they wanted to be flashy but you know Headfield here is is really doing that three note gallop in a lot of stuff that da 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 and and Lars is matching him with the with the kick and. And Cliff is in there. And if you listen to the remastered version that they put out a couple years ago, uh, Cliff is really prominent. You can hear him, and he's just right there riffing along with yeah. them, playing finger bass. And I mean, I really got a whole new appreciation of, of Burton and his talents listening to that remastered version of definitely, this album. Definitely. Um, you know, the, the quality that he gives to every track, especially. And, and, and yeah, I know what you're saying. The earlier mixes is a little bit more tough to discern certain elements of the song. Um, you know, one of the things that you can't forget about Kill 'Em All really is how the vocals sound. They are sort of drenched in reverb, but James is very young and he kind of yelps a lot of these lines, like especially when he says fourth winds blow. You know, it, it's almost like his voice is breaking on track. Yeah, for sure. It's it, man. He sounds so young here, and um, I heard a copy of "Hit the Lights" that, that was even earlier than this, and and he was singing totally different. And I know we're not talking about that song, but it's just it, like Hetfield's really like just growing up, you know, over the course of these two albums, and and it's he's he's not really singing necessarily, but yeah, he's just got that real punk barking kind of thing, and and like that ow ow, you know, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing going on where <laughs> you know it's it's i find it it's got such great energy yeah yeah it really does it's really sincere and you know there's something quite vital uh, quite blood-filled about it and we get to the chorus which again feels quite equine to me so we just get simple chords here with the horsemen are drawing nearer and you get the sense of sort of a landscape uh, you know a, a panorama someone on horseback looking forward and i love the bass as well you talk about burton before like he's kind of mccartney-esque like he's not going to settle on root notes there's always little melody lines carving out little shapes underneath the guitars you know absolutely you know and that was something that i never like i said really paid attention to before i mean i was there and i was aware of it but i'm always kind of focused on the guitar part and what the vocal melody is doing 
And when he's doing those open notes, those open power chords descending down, uh, Burton is not just like sitting back and doing the open string. I mean, he's in there. He's got little melody lines and and Lars keeps that gallop going with the toms and stuff all through that part. And it, it takes a part that could be very, very basic, you know, very. Uh, I, I listened to Dream No More the other day, your mm. podcast, and, and that intro is just, you know, kind of descending notes. Yeah. And this this could have been a lot like that, but sure. there's so much movement, even though the guitars themselves aren't doing a whole lot. Yeah. And, you know, James, again, gets a good yelp on the second chorus with a, Day you were born! Like, on the first line, and he's just sort of catching himself in. I, I love the subject matter. You know, it's the most metal thing ever, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But I love that, you know, obviously going through the song, they realize we can't keep calling them the four horsemen. What else can we say? Quartet of deliverance. That's just so badass. It definitely is. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh, you see a lot more of this type of same influence. It Lyrically, I mean, it reminds me, obviously, a lot of like creeping death with the biblical yeah, references yeah. and and uh, and telling those stories and. Again, when you compare it to like the me- mechanics, it's it's no comparison at all lyrically. I mean, this is the far superior track. Oh god, oh god, yeah. And I mean, like Four Horsemen as well. For those not really not aware from the New Testament, I believe you know the sort of the Revelation, um, death, famine, war, and pestilence. I think are the ones there, uh, which they sort of take liberties with slightly. They say famine, pestilence, death, and time. Yeah, it, it is a long song, and it has a lot of movement. So we have the first verse chorus second verse second chorus and then we just get into another spoil of riffs here and we begin with one of the most metal things ever jason hetfield just chugging that open e oh my gosh yeah just that and it's it's again it's one of those things that a lot of other people would cheat you know they would just go bop 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 or something like that but to throw that little gallop in there but it's never like there's nothing about Metallica that I've ever heard. And I'm like, oh, he's just doing that to show us he can do that. You know, it fits the song perfectly for what they're trying to accomplish. And I'll never forget, like one of my favorite performances, if you want to say of that riff is off the live binge and purge when they're in San Diego. And Lars gets up from his drum set, runs across that little sky bridge and hits that other kit. Yeah. Like just as it finishes, the, the four guys are all there and they're just rocking out and you could just man you could feel it it's such mm. a cool riff mm. and, and it's I, so it's it's only one note but it's such a yeah, cool riff yeah it is and i like the way it's built upon as well that now now the guitar's coming over the top as well sort of interrupting reminds me a little bit and this is sort of a bit of an obscure pull but um the sort of bridge section after the solo in cyanide they do a similar thing where you have one guitar interrupting the other and that sort of dissonance creates a lot of excitement and then you have um something that feels very thin lizzie-esque the no 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 no, 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 you know, the sort of pentatonic move down. And then into another riff, that da na 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 Like, that again is just classic to me. It's kind of gnarled in a certain way. And it's only making these notes that made me realise how much I love Four Horsemen. Like, I've always thought it's a good song, but going through the notes, I'm just like, bloody hell, the quality? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. This particular riff, um, yeah. I found really challenging when I was first learning how to play. Yeah, and I haven't I actually, actually tried to play it. Is it is it just a difficult fingering or? It's well, you're you're playing five seven on the E string, and then you got to hit eight on the A. And right. a lot of players find it hard to uh, go from ring finger on one string to pinky on the on the next string down, and mm-hmm. that's that particular move. So I've always played it open A, two on A, and then C, yeah, then then uh, three two, right zero two, you know, on that on the D string. 
so I kind of cheated a little bit, and uh, I feel slightly guilty when I do because <laughs> when I try to, when I play, you know, I, I really try to to play exactly how Hetfield does because I feel like that's that's the only way to do it correctly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's uh, for those that know, you know, that riff. It's it's a similar, very similar kind of challenging fingering to the tail end of Moth into Flame, where it right. it. Uh, it does you know that's that's it's kind of the same pattern right in there and it's 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 definitely tricky what i especially like about that riff though tom is how they hang on it for eight measures there's so many bands that have cool riffs and they're just out of them too quick they're just on to the next thing too quick and you can definitely tell like these guys know that this is a kick-ass riff and we're going to hang here and you're going to listen to it for 20 seconds and mm-hmm. you're going to like it yeah, you know yeah well james sings over it and we get another sort of creeping death similarity with the time famine you know the sort of the, the gang vocals behind him and i like yeah. how uh, you know the sort of the person that he's describing is being affected by each four of the horsemen in certain ways famine is tearing the body you have to endure pestilence time as you know the lines that crack on your face it's you know it's all fun fantastic stuff and we get into the section which isn't really played live as i say um the sort of mm-hmm. slower section it feels a little leonard skinner to me it feels a little southern rocky to me you know like it doesn't feel very flashy at all what, what are your thoughts on this bit yeah it, it's it's like a lot of things with metallica where you you'll hear it and the first time you'll go through you'll feel like it's kind of out of place but mm. then they're so good that eventually you just kind of accept it as, okay, this is where we're going now. Um, It definitely feels like a totally different part of the song. And um, I was reading, you know, a bit about the the history of the song and it's, you brought up Leonard Skinner. And I think that um, Mustaine was quoted that he said that that part was particularly built to be influenced by Skinner. And it does have a very sweet home Alabama kind of vibe where you have the two pedal notes uh set in the the root and then you have the two descending you know so dun dun mm. na, na, yeah, na, na, na. Yeah. The, the thing that i find coolest about there going back to burton is each of the four times uh james and kirk play that melody burton's doing something totally different all mm. four times yeah and it and it fits it's not like burton standing out it it adds to the the build toward that solo definitely definitely he's ascending up and let's talk about that solo because i mean there's two real solos you know the one that closes which is a bit more traditional uh metal and this one's quite bluesy isn't it kirk in that load reload mode before it really existed <laughs> yeah i mean it is totally different i mean really compared to anything else on the album yeah, it's the yeah. only section that's that's like this and uh uh, I particularly like this solo better than the closeout solo. Sure, yeah. Um, and it's one of the only times I think, pretty much in their whole catalog, where they'll have where they have sort of it's it's not a, a guitar duel or it's not two guitars playing in unison like uh, you know like you'll get with like one or something like that. You know that it's not that. It's like two guitar solos that complement each other that are just laid on top. Yeah. Yeah, it's. Um, I've been listening to a lot of Yes uh, recently, and that's something they do a lot uh, at the end of their big songs. Where because it it's, it almost feels like two people talking at once, and it shouldn't work, but it, it does in this sense. You can follow either lead. You can let both of them sort of soak over you. And mm-hmm. you know, I love the ambition here for a band like this to do a big four horsemen. You know, the apocalypse epic and really pull it off. 
Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for them to, to have motor breath in this song on the same album, it yeah. really shows the range and, and their, their variety of influence. Anesthesia as the fifth track as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, Burton is just so ridiculously good. Oh my gosh! Um, his his influence is felt across all three of these albums that he's a part of, mm. um, and it's it's a it's a shame that he wasn't able to contribute further. Yeah, no, of course, and you know, we end this section with again that sort of seventies descending riff that we heard before, and then you know, back into riffs we've heard otherwise mm-hmm. as well, and you know, it's all really, really compelling stuff. There's sort of a bass burble. That's kind of how I could describe it, like a what, like a really wide note uh, that sort of moves down into the pedal point riff. And, you know, we sort of play out um, on familiar territory with her before the chorus comes back as well. And, you know, the song gallops. And, yeah, then we get that more discordant, typical guitar solo, which I agree with you, Jason. It's not as interesting as the bluesier middle one, but still it's kind of vintage, you know, young Kirk. Yeah, that well, that studio effect to go back to that. And mm. I call it that because when I was learning the song, um, I went out and bought the tab books and stuff. Right. And and uh, even those didn't really know what to call that. Right. that. <laughs> Yeah, you well, <laughs> yeah. And you never, there's, there's never a replication of it live. They just kind of like no. have a little drum fill there. Why do you think that they cut the song down live? Because they pretty much exclusively play the five minute version. Uh, you know, I think it's just an effort to kind of keep the energy up, sure. and it, it might be that uh, that they don't, they didn't like it down the road. Uh, yeah, maybe, it, maybe, maybe it's a double guitar solo thing. But I guess James probably can do that, but yeah. Well, when you listen to it, I, I, the last time I heard them play the entire thing live was during that 30th birthday celebration. Right, right. And uh, it, yeah, the solo wasn't ju- it wasn't quite as exhilarating without the other stuff. And live, the there's just a lot of dissonance and a lot of notes going on with mm-hmm. James's part. And he doesn't go clean with it. So it's still it's still distorted. And it's I mean, it's it sounds much better on the album than live. I don't think it's a live friendly kind of part to the song yeah, yeah so it doesn't bother me that they cut it out but i'm really glad that it's on the album because it's a great couple minutes of music oh my god yeah and you know it's a it's a staple uh, of their live set pretty much unfortunately i didn't see it in birmingham but they've played it 537 times uh you know they debuted it um in new york 1983 april 22nd they last played it uh, yesterday at the time of us recording this they played it in hamburg march 29th 2018 i'm sure they're going to continue play it for the rest of their career um any any closing thoughts on four horsemen jason well like we were talking about with that solo on the mm-hmm. outro i, I love the beginning uh, that kind of stair steppy yeah. working down the strings but the solo itself i mean it feels uh if i can be so bold like kind of boring uh, yeah by, yeah I know it's what you mean. it's just it's kind of like you know we took we came up with with four or five interesting parts and each of those parts just gets repeated you know eight or nine times mm. and uh so it's it's not one of my personal favorites and it's not the best solo on this album by far it's not even the best solo in this song no but <laughs> no but it, it it is definitely this whole album is just kurt dumping out his whole riff bag like his whole lick yeah. bag and and uh by the time he gets to horseman it's like 
I mean, he's already soloed for basically three minutes and hit the lights. So yeah. <laughs> there were, I don't know if there was too much left in the tank for it. Yeah, I know what you mean. And this era of just guitar soloing in general, it just seemed to be as fast as you go. Don't worry about phrasing. Don't worry about any sort of memorability. Just show off your technique. Just just, just have a bit of a, you know, just, just wank off on the fretboard. No one really cares. And, you know, obviously, <laughs> obviously Kirk will develop some incredible leads in this album. And then, you know ride the lightning you know how many good leads does he have on that record it's, it's out of this world but uh but yeah, yeah. four horsemen is a is a masterpiece in my eyes really a fantastic metallica song please let us know in the comments below what you think of this song um please let us know also get in touch with me metallica.gmail.com the next song we're doing is frantic so if you've got any opinions on frantic good or bad if you hate frantic let me know uh i'll read out anything you give to me it's always good to get a you know variety of correspondence there um you know we just spoke about this song being played live i know you've seen the band a few times live have you seen this song live uh, I have seen the song live. Yeah, and it was it was definitely the truncated version. Right, of course, for sure, of course. And uh, yeah. um, so, talk me through. You've seen them a few times, haven't you? Yeah. So I first saw them in uh, 1994. They came to the fairgrounds where I was living, and they had uh, Candlebox, Suicidal Tendencies, which is you know funny because you'd have the Rob tie-in somewhere down the line. Yeah. And and uh, and Fight, which was Rob Halford's band at That's the time. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then 99, I saw them with uh, Creed and Limp Bizkit. Um, 2004, I saw them with, uh, I believe, Limp Bizkit again during Summer Sanitarium. And then 2009, on the uh, on the Death Magnetic tour, I saw them again there. Nice. And, uh, what, what was the best 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 show? I would say, well, 94 was, was, I was still very, very new to the band, and I had minimal exposure, so I wouldn't really say that I was uh, as versed in it as I could. 99, they were very much in the load kind of phase. Mm. 2004 they were very much in the uh recovering alcoholic phase <laughs> right, yeah so i would say probably the death magnetic tour that was where they really started to kind of re-embrace their their roots in my opinion and and started playing some more of the back catalog stuff that they don't always play and i think that's really cool about you know this kind of era of metallica where they'll take a look back and they'll say you know what haven't we played in like five years yeah yeah. yeah yeah oh okay we haven't played uh trapped under ice well hey tonight's the night you know and, and that's great <laughs> and where where was it you saw them sorry in 09 in 09 i saw them in tampa florida tampa florida okay cool yeah they, they, great tour that was i think you know they, they've really been great tours going for it was that the saint pete's times forum is that right yeah it was okay. it's either that or it's changed names a few times but yeah, yeah. it's nine yeah, it was so. 2009, and uh, that was the first time I think I saw them play Battery live, believe it or not. According to Setlist.fm, it was the first time they played Through the Never since 93. They haven't played it for 16 years when you saw them. That was the fourth wow. song. God, what an, what an opening free. So that was just your life into the end of the line, into Harvester of Sorrow. That's crazy. What a crazy opening trio. What, what are your thoughts on Death Magnetic as well as an album? Uh, Death Magnetic I liked a lot. Like mm. I said earlier, um, musically, I, I find it pretty challenging to play a lot of the songs. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when I listen through on the podcast, I agree with most people like um, the end of the line. I feel like that that song, you know, can can use a little trimming here and there. Mm. This is just your life. I mean, that opening up that that just like tears my arm. It's like something from Kill 'Em All, isn't it? It's like something from the album. Yeah, for sure. It's it's crazy because they do so much stuff right around that same area that that three, five, six. Yeah, in this album and in and in the newest one and hardwired. There's um, the notes that are in in that song. A lot of those make up uh, the first track from Hardwired. You know, definitely, it's, it's, it's very similar. Um, 
when you listen to it, and it, somehow they just find a way to always be interesting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like you know, I, I've been playing guitar for like ten years or so. I always like writing metally sort of riffs and stuff. And it's just how have I not written anything classic? Whereas James has you know working with the same materials, but somehow crafts these master. I, you know, it, it it baffles the mind really. It's like I remember looking when you look at solo tabs and stuff like looking at Finn Lizzy solo tabs. It's the most pentatonic stuff on paper you'll ever see, mm-hmm. but then you hear it. It's really interesting and, and really emotional, but, you know, whatever. That's why they're musicians and I'm doing a podcast about them, so it, 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 it's <laughs> all good. Yeah. We'll um we'll close with a few quick-fire questions. The, the first one, what is your favorite Metallica song? Man, you know, I knew you were going to ask yeah. me that, and it's 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 a brutally hard question. It is a hard choice, um, yeah. Um, I would probably say all around I'd have to go with maybe Sanitarium. Right. Um, I find that song to, you know, the solos in it are all fantastic. I love the, the angry part in the middle. Mm. Um, you know, it's just very fast, very aggressive. And then the, the part toward the end, the that's mm. just one of my one of my favorite melody lines that I think the band's written ever. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we're going to be covering a concert uh, very soon on the show. Uh, Metallica sort of surprise show they did at Donington in 2003, which was the first mm-hmm. uh, European show, first non-American show with Rob. So just after he joined the band. And I was watching it this morning and they play Sanitarium and they, they nail it. It's a brilliant, brilliant rendition. And I totally agree about that ending part. It's so exciting. And, you know, Kirk's solo is terrific as well. What about your favorite album? Um, To play, I would probably definitely have to go with Puppets. Yeah. Uh, that's It's definitely the most musically challenging for me overall. Um, I, I love, uh, you know, Leper Messiah in particular, I feel. Oh, it's man. like an underappreciated song. Definitely. Yeah. The solo in there is, is fantastic. Mm. Uh, as far as just like a, a, a stomping people into the ground kind of Metallica song, I mean, battery, you can't beat Battery. Yeah. Um, and Puppets, you know, you yeah. don't, I don't have to say anything about it. No, no, I mean, yeah, the whole record is is sublime. Um, what about your favorite member? My favorite member would absolutely be James. Come on, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's got yeah. it. Like anyone that doesn't say James, I, I respect you for saying a different member, but it, everyone, it's James. It's fucking James Hetfield. Yeah, I mean, he's really motivational to me as a as a player individually, you know, because um, he's so prolific, and he, you know, I know that they had some moments in the '90s where they were a bit opulent, but he comes across as, as you know, just very humble, especially current generation James. Definitely. He's he's very giving. You see him with fans all the time, doing make a wishes and stuff, and. Uh, he just, he seems like a, a good dude. Like if I went up to him and I was like, Hey, you know, uh, I, I need $10 for my gas tank. I feel like he'd take me down there and put 20 in there <laughs> just cause, cause that's the kind of dude he is. I mean, he just seems like a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. He would give you fuel, maybe some fire, maybe even Absolutely. all you desire. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he does see that sort of guy. So uh, final question, Jason, bit of a left field question here. If you was to do a podcast like Alpha Metallica on a band, uh, what's a band you love? What's a band you could do? You could explore their back catalog. Man, you know, I mean, you kind of have the market cornered here. This yeah. is the, the the one band that I know the most about. Yeah. Um, I would say though, if if I were to really dive into a catalog and I wanted to to do something like this, um, they're not my favorite band in the world, but I do find them extremely interesting. I, I think I'd probably pick Pink Floyd. Oh, yeah, good choice. I think a Pink Floyd podcast would be awesome. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's so much nuance to their music. So and, many uh, eras as well. Absolutely, yeah. So you have the very psychedelic stuff, and then you have the kind of well, more the modern stuff, stuff. The 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 sort of Roger Waters era. Then you have the solo Dave Gilmore era as well. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah they're all over the road. So you could do A, B, and C and have three totally different songs from three kind of different bands. 
know? Yeah, 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 completely, completely. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. That's a, that's a good shout. Well, um, this has been great. You know, I want to just urge people again, please follow the show. Um, get in touch with me, MetallicaPodGmail.com, if you want to come on the show. Let us know what you think about Frantic as well, uh, either the email or send me a message on Twitter if you like, at MetallicaPod. We've got the Patreon. We've got the iTunes. Uh, Jason, is there any projects you'd like to share with the listeners or...? Uh, no, not really. I'm a pretty basic guy. I, I write a couple songs here and there, but I don't really post them anywhere. I just kind of do my thing and, sure. uh, you know, work for a big corporate America, and, right. <laughs> you know, kind of kind of rock out in the basement. And, and, you know, it's it's always served me well. So yeah. I, I stick with that. Nothing, uh, nothing creative. I, I just live vicariously through you, Tom. All right. All right. <laughs> That's great, man. Well, uh, as I say again, you know, this has been a pleasure speaking to you and uh, thank you all for listening. And uh, Jason, thanks again, man. Absolutely. My pleasure.